I'm excited to preach today. Uh, do me a favor. Hold that cup up before the Lord. Come on, everybody. Hold up that cup. And would you shake it a little bit? Shake it a little bit. Let God know it's there. And would you say, fill my cup, Lord. And let it overflow. All right, here, listen to this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, it's important to me that you hear this. Take this into your heart. Before I preach to you, it's important to me that you know, check this out, I love you. All right? I value this opportunity to sow. Thank you so much. I value this opportunity to sow the seeds of the word of God into your life. I pray that they make a difference. Today, I believe the word of the Lord is going to bring a harvest. I hope that you have listened to Pastor Eric Thien's previous two sermons. Thank you, man of God. Bless you. Um, so I want to build on those today. Uh, and, and in my tradition, we probably would break a series to, to honor Mother's Day, but I'm going to do a hybrid sermon today. Um, my mother uh, would agree with everything that Pastor Thien said the last two weeks. She believed in mental illness. She struggled. I saw her, some of her personal struggles. So today, um, and, and please go back and look at those sermons. Uh, I think it's daring for a church to preach on this topic, and many of you have said that this is blessing you, and I pray today is in conjunction with that. But in the spirit of Mother's Day, uh, having seen my mother struggle, um, I want to give you my mother's best advice. Uh, my mother's anchor in her life was simply these two words, God knows. My mother would say, yeah, but God knows. Would you try that with me, Common Ground Northeast? Would you lift your voice and say, yeah, yeah. But, God but God knows. That was her anchor in life. And there was a song, I'm going to give it to you, and, and there's some handouts, you can pick one up and take it home. Here's my mother's favorite song, and this is how she dealt with everything that Pastor Eric's been preaching about the last couple of weeks. I, for one, believe everything that he preached, and my mother did too. She would just say, but we are our Heavenly Father's children, and we all know that he loves us one and all. Do me a favor, say yet. But yet, in spite of his love, there are times we find we answer to another's voice and call. That's important to today's sermon. We're going to get to that. But if we are willing, my mother would say, she said, the Lord will teach us his voice only to obey no matter what. She wanted all 12 of her children to know this. Because he knows. I'm so glad God knows. He knows just how much we can bear. This is my mother's first favorite song. I'm going to come back to it. I want to go to Verse 4, Lucy, and this part uh, really dials into mental illness. She would say, though the load gets heavy, she'd say this, but you're never left alone to bear it all. Children just ask for strength and keep on toiling. Though the tear drops fall, you got to keep going. So you'll have the joy, my mother made sure I knew this, of this assur assurance, even in trial, this joy. 
I'm going to come back to the song. Our Heavenly Father, He will hear and answer prayer. And here I can hear her voice. She said, wait a minute. Because He knows. Children, I'm so glad God knows. He knows just how much we can bear. Oh, oh, he knows just how much we can bear. That song is in my mind right now. That's my mother's best advice. Mental illness, yes. Dark days, yes. What was her anchor? Yes, but God knows. Listen, church, today we're going to meet a man, like many of us, who finds himself in the front car of life's roller coaster. Anybody ever went and got on a roller coaster and got in the front? Any front car people in there? <laughs> Any front car? Like, I'm going to get in the front car. I want to confess I have never ridden in the front car. I don't want to see that. I, no, no, I'm good on the front car. The saying, one day you're up and the next you're down, cannot begin to capture the emotional turnabout the prophet Elijah experienced in just a day. We learned that it is a law that what goes up must come down. We just didn't think they were talking about our emotions, our mental state, our self-confidence, or even our will to live. Elijah goes from godly determination to personal desperation and depression. Yes, church, Elijah is depressed. And Elijah is a mess. And maybe today on Mother's Day, some of you come to church today and you feel just like Elijah. Maybe today you too are struggling and maybe today you also are depressed. Maybe you feel like you are a mess. I pray today for just a few minutes you and I will learn from Elijah's experience. And Pastor Rush, how did he get here? That's important. Because when the curtain closes on 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah undoubtedly is a hero. He's balling, y'all. He is a confident man who is at the top of his game. He has just represented God and himself very well. He has just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. But when the curtain rises in 1 Kings chapter 19, there is a whole different story. Now, I'm preaching to anybody that knows it changes quick. It could turn around on you quick. Elijah goes from running things to running for his life. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19. Would you go there with me this morning? And there's a word from the Lord. The Bible says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, make the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. But when he came to Beersheba in Judah, He left his servant there. That's important. We're going to talk about that. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm done. I quit right here. This looks like a good place to quit. 
Then he lay down under the bush tree and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him, that's important, and said, get up and eat. He looked around there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. And I'm at verse 7. Are you with me? The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? That's a question we'll contemplate today. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord also was not in the fire. And after that fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mount of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the deserts of the desert of Damascus when you get there anoint Haziel king over Aram also anoint Jehu the son of Nishi over king over Israel and anoint Elisha the son of Shaphat from Abel Mehlo to succeed you as prophet Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel and Elisha to put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu yet I have reserved 10,000 all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed them so check this out church Y'all know I come from a big family. There's 12 of us. I have seven brothers. Five of them are older than me. So you can imagine that what came standard in our house was chaos. Right? There was a lot of disputes and, yes, some fights. There was some fighting. Fighting, unfortunately, was a rite of passage in my house. Every once in a while, you had to throw them hands. Or in my case, most of my brothers were bigger and stronger than me, so you had to learn how to take it. You know the saying, it all runs downhill, and unfortunately, I was at the bottom of the hill. So yes, I took more than my share of beatdowns, and if anybody in the church wants to know how to get beat up, just ask me. I'm good at that. My brothers made sure I was good at that. But check this out. This is the most insulting thing that big brothers can do to you. The most insulting thing, insulting thing about getting manhandled was when my brothers would get me on the ground and grab my wrists, and they would hit me with my own hands. <laughs> so technically, I was beating myself up, right? And, and, and they did it so they could technically be honest with my mother when they, she asked them, did they hit me? She, they say, no, we didn't hit him. He hit himself. 
I was hitting myself. I was beating myself up. Y'all, the enemy of our peace, the enemy of our joy, the enemy of our mental health, our prosperity and our future, our destiny, would love to put us in that same position where we are self-inflicting. He would love to see us abort and abandon the future that God has for us. He would love for us to talk ourselves out of it. He would love to see us beating ourselves up. He would love for us to do his work for him. We do the destructive work in our own lives, the deceptive work, the distracting work, and the derailing work. That's what happened to Elijah. In our text today, Elijah is dealing with the if trap, if. And there is something that he believes, but it is not true. He is walking in agreement with the lie. He keeps saying it because he trusts his own voice. He believes it. There's no factual or rational basis for this belief, but a lie does not need validation. Pastor Ken, what is the if trap? If is an acronym for an internal fabrication. It is the lie that we tell ourselves. It is a false premise or belief that has somehow found residency and safe harbor within our psyche. It is highly influential, and it is the foundation for erratic behavior. And how did it get there? Well, let's look in Elijah's case. What's true is for Elijah, not only does he say it to God in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, but it, the origin of it started a chapter before. It started in 1 Kings 18.22. Then Elijah said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets, but Baal has 450 prophets. See here that it is present, this lie is present in his prosperity. It appears to be innocent because it does not seem to hinder his effectiveness. But it has a home in his life. Satan often attaches things to our lives in one season. They'll be dormant so that they can prove destructive in another season. They are lodged in one season, but they're there so that they can work and work against us in another season. I can't tell you how many adults I've had the chance to counsel as a pastor who told me, yeah, but pastor, it started when I was young. It started in my innocent season. It started, it attached itself to me. But we, it, it, when I started, it was just fun. When I started, we would just drink casually. When I started, it was just recreational use. Now something's on me. It won't let me get back to my destiny. It won't let me be who God has called me to be. And when I used to have it, and now it has me. Elijah believes it because he keeps saying it. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. If you say it enough, you will begin to believe it. Here's my admonition to the church. Be careful what you say because you are listening. Because he keeps saying it, it somehow this lie becomes the truth. 
Your voice is the voice you trust the most. So if you keep saying it, eventually you will believe it. Our words are powerful. And that's why the Bible says to us, let the weak say that I am strong. Our words transform our reality. Proverbs 18 and 21 said, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and, and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of its words. Proverbs 13 and 3 says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Here's the problem in the text, and here's the problem in our lives. Listen to this, church. If you don't get anything else, get this. Just because you possess your most trusted voice doesn't mean you also possess your most truthful voice. Elijah, though, is not all by himself. He is not the only person to struggle to navigate the if trap. I want to stand in front of the church and tell you that I, too, struggle with the if trap. Elijah thought it would be better if he weren't alone. But I have spent my life dealing with my ifs as well. Here's what my ifs do, and if, if you struggle with the if trap, perhaps, perhaps you find yourself here too. It causes me to focus on the negative. When I'm in the if trap, I deal more with who I am not than who I am. I focus more on what's wrong with me than what's right with me. I, like my brothers, encourage me to do beat myself up as opposed to lifting myself up. Anybody in the if trap? I focus more on what I don't have and not as much on what I do have. Anybody know you should be grateful with what you do have? This is how the devil sets the trap. We believe we have limitations based on the lie. But if the facts, if the lie is not real, then the limitations that the lie is based on are not real. The limitations become real, however, church, as you and I live into the lie. Here, here, here's some example. Here's how it works. If only I were taller, I would have made the basketball team. If only I had gone to this school. If only I had more money. If only I could lose this weight and life would be better. I just got to lose this weight. It would be great if I lost this weight. If I get this promotion, if I was born at this time, if I lived in this city, if what if I kept playing football? I'm too short. I'm too tall. I could make more sales if. You see it as a trap because here's why it's a trap. There's no way that that if would have worked out either. We don't know that. Usually what ifs do is create more ifs. We also can't trust the then because tall people don't make the basketball team either. So we don't know that, right? We, we don't know that for certain. And that's where the if trap also, there's no way to go back and change what you did. But there is a way to live better. I've got a couple points for you. And just like Elijah, 
my ifs, my personal ifs, I've struggled with them, I'm confessing before the church, have often had me in my feelings, struggling mentally and running in the wrong direction, chasing the wrong people, the wrong places and the wrong things. I just want to stop and ask the church before I give you my points and sit down. It's a rhetorical question. Is there anybody here like me and Elijah struggling in the if trap? Got you looking crazy, running all over the place, trying to catch up with yourself. Let's go to the word of God. The Bible says Elijah was afraid, and so he ran. And he left his servant there. Elijah has developed what I call bad analysis paralysis. He is not thinking clearly. His mind is going down a rabbit hole. Somehow he does not believe the God that defeated the prophets yesterday can keep him safe today. And this is, this is, this is my time out. This is my first time out. I got to say this to you. What about everything God has already shown you? Hold up. Wait a minute. You're going to dismiss. Now, I know you're here today, and today may not be your best day. But come on, somebody. Look how far he brought us from. Do I have a witness in here? Look how far God has brought us from. Can I just tell somebody, he didn't bring you this far to leave you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Do I have a witness? Today and forevermore. If he did it yesterday, how many know he's going to do it today? He plans to do it tomorrow. Look at your neighbor and say, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. Elijah, what about what just happened? Elijah, what about that? To make matters worse, here's what the Bible says. He left his servant there. I know that seems insignificant. But he dismissed himself from the one person who could have been used by God to help him. <laughs> he left the one person that God could have used. That when you're struggling, you need to run to people, not away from them. Now there's nobody else to interject. There's nobody else to give a second opinion. There's nobody else for God to use to say, no, come up out of it. So now he's struggling, and now he truly is struggling alone. The Bible said he left his servant there. God works through people. Sometimes we need to have our privacy for sure. But if when we are struggling, we withdraw, how does God use somebody to help us? How does God give us a message if we don't want to be around anybody? God uses other people to help us, so we should go toward people instead of leaving them behind. God has assigned someone to help you, but we have to let them. And Elijah says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. He no longer believes in his future. He does not believe in tomorrow, so he wants to quit today. And here's where my mother's song comes in. I hope I painted a bad enough picture. Like, is it, is it bad enough for the Calvary to come in yet? Have we got that far yet? And here comes the Calvary. Do me a favor. Everybody say, but God. Here's where God finds Elijah on his worst day. 
And if you, like Elijah, are having a bad day, God is going to find you today. In fact, could we just celebrate that God won't leave us here? So, Elijah, you left the one person who could have helped you in the physical realm. Thank goodness God has a supernatural realm. <laughs> then when nobody's around, God will commission the angel to go touch you. And God commissioned the angel to go speak to him. And the angel touched him. And touch is very important. The Bible says twice in verse 5 and 7 that the angel's remedy for him was touch and speech, that he touched him and he said to him. Y'all, sometimes, how many know we need somebody willing to touch us, be connected to us, and talk to us? And God gives him a regimen of rest and replenishment. That's easy for me to say, replenishment. And then the angel does it again. Doesn't just do it once, because y'all, where we are, once ain't going to do it for us. I'm going to need God to keep on touching me. And y'all, yeah, if y'all been where I've been, I need more than most people. I'm going to need God. And, and when God uses you to be a blessing to people, be willing to go further. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to do it today and tomorrow. Be willing to do whatever they need. So the Bible said he got up and drank and then he went. And then God gave him an opening question when he was in the cave. He said, what's wrong with you? How can I help you? And He says, he repeated this lie. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, turned down your altars, and put your prophets to death. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Here's what makes this so, so dangerous. It's not a whole truth, but there are elements of truth in it. And so what the enemy of your life and your destiny would like to take a half truth and have you make a decision, a whole decision on a half truth. This is so, 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 so if it's not wholly true, like, you know, multiple choice, right? There's elements in it. Then we had to say false, right? True, false, because it's not wholly true. So it's false. This is not true, Elijah. But God meets him where he is, gives him a demonstration of his power. And then God whispers to Elijah. And perhaps today's sermon, in today's sermon, Somebody right now in real time is hearing God whisper. Perhaps this daring preaching series on mental health, perhaps in this series at Common Ground Northeast, somebody's going to hear God whisper the restorative words. So let me for one second be God's whisper. I love you. Somebody hear the Lord whisper. It ain't over. The future is bright.
forgive you. I want you to forgive you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I deliver you out of them all. I just, I, I, I don't want to be loud because that would take your focus. I just want you to hear me say, I love you. Anybody hear God whispering to you this morning? And Elijah got up. That's so all I'm done now. And here's what God did for anybody struggling. First, God gives assistance. And I want you to live fully into the assistance God has given you today. But God's not done with you. So as soon as he gives you assistance, he's going to give you an assignment. I want you to go back. Wait a minute. Go back the exact way you came. Go, go right back. Don't go another way. Go right back. Because I need you to conquer that territory. I need you to overcome that. Go right back to the person and tell them this. Go right. Don't be afraid. Go right back in. I'm giving you an assignment. You're not done. I need to use you. So I'm giving you an assignment. And then God gives him for everybody that's struggling with an IF, an internal fabrication. You lying to yourself. God gives an FYI. Okay, so here's the truth, Elijah. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouth have not kissed him. This is the truth. You are not alone. You made a whole decision based on a half truth. So I struggled with this when I was preparing Pastor E. I'm like, God, why didn't you just have the angel say this under the broom tree? Because <laughs> if you had told him the truth under the broom tree, like this could have been solved before he took that 40 day journey to the mount. I'm like, the, the antidote for a lie is the truth, right? So why didn't you just tell him the truth? And then we, we'd be done. We didn't have to hear all that boisterous wind and all of that. We, we wouldn't have needed that if you just told him the truth. But here's what's true. If God doesn't deal with his mental state, he's in no position to receive the truth. So God has to heal him up, love him up. Because when we are prone to believe a lie, we might be likely to reject the truth. Am I preaching to anybody? So like God, so, 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 so the truth comes in after healing. So let me get back to Mother Rush. She said, no matter where you are, we are our Heavenly Father's children. And look, Elijah, even on your worst day, we all know that he loves us one and all. He's no respecter of persons. Yet there are times, watch this church, we find we answer to another's voice and call. And most usually, and more likely, that's your voice. There are times we hear ourselves over God. And we believe what we think and say other than what God has said. 
But church, if you are willing, he will teach us. Elijah, his voice only to obey no matter where, because he knows, and I'm so glad God knows, he knows just how much we can bear. Think of the times you've asked a question down in your heart, oh Lord, what shall I do? Then you confide in your friends and loved ones. This is Psalm 4, and blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. But you find out that they got bigger troubles than you. But there is a God who rules earth and heaven. In him there's relief for every pain and care. For he knows, I'm so glad he knows, he knows just how much we can bear. Just praise his name, although you're burdened. For there are blessings he has bestowed on you. What's he saying? That as bad as it gets, it could be worse Inside every circumstance, somebody got to help me with this. There's some grace. There's some grace there. In every way, we must never doubt these trials we must go through to endure just a little longer. And don't forget, for each of us, he cares. For he knows. I'm so glad he knows. He knows just how much you can bear. Now, this, this is the last one. I'm done. This song is not nice, y'all. Like when my mother would teach us this song, this song is violent. This song is warfare. Like when you sing this, your hair, like if you sing this and your hair is in place, you didn't sing it right. (laughs) If you sing this and like the house is still in order, you didn't sing this right. If you sing this and it didn't tear something up, like you playing, you didn't sing this right. My mother sung this violently because she was a woman who always did less with more. Here's the number one lesson that my mother gave me, right? I was in the kitchen with my mother, and she was making sweet potatoes, and she ran out of sweet potatoes. I said, Mama, do you want me to go to the store and get some sweet potatoes? She's like, no. Pass me them carrots. I was like, carrots and sweet potatoes. She says, you know they're the same thing, don't you? I was like, no, I don't know carrots and sweet potatoes are the same thing. But I couldn't argue with the woman who went to Butler at night school, always wanted an education, never could. But Indiana University hired her to teach cooking classes. I couldn't argue with that woman. She says, carrots and sweet potatoes are the same thing. They're all vitamin A. Give me the carrots. So I come from people who never knew how it was going to end. She always started sweet potatoes, and she just believed something will be there that I need. Some of us would have said, why would you make them if you didn't have enough that's reckless, that you didn't count up the cost? She started stuff all of her life and just believed God would have there what she needed. She said, pass me the carrots. She cut up the carrots, cooked the carrots with the sweet potatoes. Tastes like sweet potatoes to me. She taught me, step into God. And if you run out of sweet potatoes, God will have some carrots there. That's how I live my life. I never need enough sweet potatoes. I expect there not to be enough sweet potatoes. But I know there'll be some carrots. So here's how she sung it. Though the load gets heavy, oh, it gets heavy, children. But you're never left alone to bear it on. Listen, just ask for strength and keep on toiling. 
though the tear drops fall, because you have the joy of this assurance. A heavenly father, you're going to hear and ask a prayer, children. I'm going to be dead, but I can tell you, because he knows. I'm so glad God knows. He knows just how much we can bear. Hey, y'all need to hear God whisper. He's whispering to us. God bless you.